Ezekiel. Turn in your Bibles, please. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 22. The air conditioners are working hard as they can. We got the fans on high. You say, preacher, is it hot? No, outside is hot. It don't feel that bad in here when you go outside. Uh, but uh, we're doing the best we can under the circumstances. Thank God for air conditioning. <clears throat> While you're turning to Ezekiel chapter number 22, I heard about this bunch of tourists from New York down in Texas, one of those dude ranches, places where you pull up and get pictures and uh, snapshots and whatever of a real authentic dude ranch. And they got there and there was a cowboy sitting on a fence all propped up, kicked back, horses in the background. They're all out there taking pictures and oohing and on. And one of them said, uh, I ask you a question, sir. I said, why, why, do you, why do y'all wear that big old hat? Why does cowboys always wear that big old hat? He said, well, when you're a cowboy, it comes in handy, keeps the sun off of you, makes a nice shade. He said, if you're out and uh, you, get, you, you need to water your horse, so you can dip your hat in the trough or dip it in the creek so you can water your horse out of it. They said, well, that makes sense. That's pretty good. So why, why do y'all wear that kerchief, that, that handkerchief around your neck? He said, well, sometimes there's a dust storm, dust starts to blow, you cover your, cover your uh, nose up, and uh, you get the cows get the stampede and stirring up dust. You cover up your nose and you can breathe. They said, well, that makes sense. It's pretty good. He said, why, why do y'all wear that big old bell buckle in front of your belt? He said, well, sometimes when you're riding your horse, he gets a little bit spooked. So he'll, he'll get the jumping, bouncing around. said, and we wear that to keep that saddle horn uh, from, from jabbing us in our stomach. They said, well, now that makes sense. He said, why do you wear those big old leather chaps around your leg? He said, well, sometimes we're riding a horse. We go through cactuses and briars, and it keeps them from poking us in our legs. He said, well, that makes a lot of sense. He said, but what I don't understand, Mr. Cowboy, is why you're sitting there with a pair of a tennis shoes on. Why don't, why don't you wear cowboy boots? He said, because I don't want nobody to think I'm a truck driver. <laughs> it gets better from here, I promise. Tough crowd today. Ezekiel 22. Would you stand with me, please? Look at verse number 20, verse number 30. Verse number 30, Ezekiel 22, 30. If you're there, say amen. This is God talking. He said, I sought for a man among them that I should make up the hedge and stand in the gap. Sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Today is a Western Sunday, so I'm going to take this passage of Scripture and put a Western spin to it. I want to preach on this thought. Y'all fix that fence. Y'all fix the fence. Father, help me now as we dig into the Scriptures. I pray that you'd make this passage relevant to us. Well, I know it was written a long time ago to a people of long ago, but Lord, it's in our Bible for a reason. Help us to be able to extract some truths and be able to apply them to our life and our day and age. And Lord, I pray that God's people will be benefited from the message today. Give me strength and power and liberty to preach in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. It's one of the most unusual verses, really, 
in the book of Ezekiel. And there's a lot of good stuff in the book of Ezekiel. It's got a lot of good stuff in it. But this particular passage of scripture that we're going to look at this morning is God seeking for a man to stand in a gap and make up the hedge. That word hedge there in the verse literally means a fence or a wall. That's what the word hedge means. That word gap in that verse is a breach or a broken place in that fence or in that wall. That word make up, he said, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge. That word make up means to repair, to fence up, to close off, to build up, to enclose. So we get the picture here that there is a fence or a wall God calls it a hedge, and there is, a, there is an opening, a gap, a breach in that fence or in that wall. And God was asking and looking for someone to stand in that gap and basically, in essence, be that fence and be that hedge and keep those things that were supposed to be out, out, and those things which are in on the inside. And, you know, one of the big parts of a cowboy's duty back in the day was they would ride fences. That was part of their job, ride the fence. And the boss would send them out, go ride the fence, make sure that there's not a hole, make sure that the, the, the cattle hadn't uh, pushed a fence post over, make sure that the rustlers hadn't cut a, a, a section out of the fence, make sure a tree hadn't fallen down on the fence and given a place for the cattle or the sheep or whatever they, were, they had on the ranch, keep them from being able to get out. And much of a cowboy's day was spent mending fences to keep the stock from getting out. But we know from reading the scriptures that a broken fence or a hedge with a gap or a breach in it is significant of several things. In fact, it's a testimony in the book of Psalms. It was a testimony of slothfulness and it was an indication of, uh, of, of, of great uh, laziness and actually was a source of great shame and embarrassment. In Psalm 89, the verse number 40 and 41, the Bible says, thou hast broken down all of his hedges Thou hast brought his strongholds to ruin, and all that pass by the way spoil him. He is a reproach to his neighbors. In Proverbs chapter number 24, in verse 30, it says, I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. And he talked about learning lessons from the slothful. And so when there was a hole in the fence, whether it be, uh, uh, no matter what the fence was made out of, a wall, if there was a breach or a hole in the wall, it was a great uh, uh, embarrassment and a shame and a reproach to the person that owned that fence. As I began thinking about the hedge and I thought about the fence and I began to think about the type and the picture that we could glean from this morning from verse number 30 where he talked about making up the hedge and standing in the gap, I realized that this hedge, this fence, this wall speaks of several things. It speaks of God's property. It speaks of the fact that a man would put up a fence to kind of establish the fact that everything within that fence line was his property. It was his domain. And he didn't really worry too much about what was going on on the outside of the fence, but what happened inside that fence was his concern. It was his priority. And he would establish the rules and the guidelines within that fence. Like I said, it was his kingdom. It was his domain. And let me add, God's property is the best land in the world. Can I get a witness right there? 
I thought about what uh, the psalmist David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David said, I can't think of another farm, another ranch I want to graze on. I want to graze in the Lord's pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Goes on to talk about, he, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. So we know that that fence is a type and a picture really of the property line. But then secondly, we see that it's a type and a picture of God's protection. You started studying the sheepfolds in the Old Testament and looking at those shepherds and, and uh, many times they would make a temporary handmade boundary when they were out in uh, uh, grazing their cattle and, or grazing their sheep. Uh, uh, the shepherds would cut down branches or gather fallen logs or, or cut down shrubs and thorns and they would make a, 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 a hedge and they would put those sheep inside that sheepfold and then that shepherd would lay down in that doorway. That's what Jesus was talking about when he says, I am the door. Amen, he, he, he's the door. But what that, what that hedge basically was, was a protection. It kept the wolves from coming in at night and eating and devouring those sheep. As a matter of fact, Satan understood in Job chapter number one that God had put up a hedge around about Job. He said in Job chapter one, verse number 10, hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side that thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. When he said, I've been going to and fro, God said, have you considered my servant Job? And the devil said, I've absolutely considered Job, but you've got a hedge up around about him. I can't get to him. God said, well, I'll lift that hedge. I'll, I'll put a gap in that hedge. I'll put a, I'll put a breach in that, in that hedge and let you get to him. And that was the only way Satan was able to afflict Job was because God lifted that hedge, that picture, that type of protection. Because with that wall there and that breach in that wall, it creates a vulnerability. When that protection's there, we're okay, but when there's a hole in the wall, when there's a hole in the fence, when there's a breach and a gap in that hedge or in that fence, it creates a, a, an opportunity for the enemy to come in and to inflict damage and destroy. In fact, in Psalm chapter number 80, the Bible says in verse number 12 and 13, why hast thou then broken down her hedges so that all they which pass by the way do pluck her? You see that vulnerability. He said in verse 13, the boar out of the wood do waste it and the wild beast of the field doth devour it. So that hedge that was around that vineyard is what kept the wild animals, is what kept those from coming in and spoiling what was on the inside. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that that hedge is a type and a picture of God's protection. But thirdly, this hedge and this wall, this fence speaks of God's perimeter. Stay with me now. That fence, that wall, that hedge that God put up was a constant reminder of the boundaries that God has set up. Now that's not a concept that people in 2021 are very excited about, is boundaries. We live in a day where anarchy is the, is, is the, is the law of the land. And it's only gonna get worse if they keep defunding these police stations and these police departments. Police officers are retiring in droves. We're going to have anarchy in the streets. But the truth of the matter is that fence that God put up marks the end. Stay with me. That fence that God put up marks the end of my liberty and the beginning of my disobedience if I cross that fence. Any law, any commandment, any precept, any principle that God has established is the fence. And that's where my freedom and my liberty ends. Got a lot of people that says, oh, I've got liberty in Christ. We've got liberty to do what we should, not what we would. 
Problem is there's a hole in the fence. Can we agree on that? There's a hole in the fence. I got a whole message I preach on how that hole got there. I don't have time to preach all of that and what I've got. But we could preach for a month on how the wall got a hole in it. Sometimes it's by neglect, just hasn't been maintained. By the way, if you don't maintain it, it's naturally gonna fall apart. That's Newton's law right there, thermodynamics and physics or whatever word it is. I mean, things naturally tend to decay and fall apart. Walls don't by themselves get stronger and higher and taller. They fall apart, and a lot of times the walls that I'm preaching about and the fences that I'm preaching about this morning have fallen down because people stopped preaching and stopped maintaining and stopped teaching about those fences. Sometimes it happens because of neglect. Sometimes it happens by accident. A lightning can strike a tree, that thing can fall across that fence, and now you got a hole. There's things that happen sometimes in people's life, unexpected things that happen that creates vulnerabilities in their life. But I'm gonna tell you what I believe a lot of problem is, we got a lot of walls that's been torn down on purpose. Watch those old westerns a lot of times, those cowboys, they want, to move their, they want to move their stock from one field to the other or they want to take a shortcut from their ranch to the market or wherever the train station was where they shipped their beef and there'd be a fence on the way. They'd just go up there with a the lasso, grab a fence post, they'd pull that fence down and they'd let their cows go right on through. Can I tell you something? Most of the fences in this country and most of the fences in our churches have been pulled down on purpose because people didn't like the fact that they were there. I'm talking about the ones God put there. Is everybody still with me? There's a hole in the fence. There's a breach in the hedge. And this passage of scripture is a clear description of the day and age in which we live. And God was searching for a man among them. And I believe he still is. Yes, sir. God's searching among us today. And I believe God's walking around in the homes. I believe God's walking, I believe God's walking through the churches. I believe God's walking through this country. Yes, and you know what he's saying? Y'all need to fix that fence. We've got a problem with holes in the fences. Let me give you some points this morning. Three main points, a few sub-points. Write these down. I'll be as brief as I can be, but we got lunch here, so there's no rush. And since it's free, you can't be rude. And get up and leave. Amen. I'm, we're, we're serving free lunch. Brother Snipes, you might need to crack that door over there. Some of them starting to turn green already, and I ain't even got started good. I ought to bring a couple pans of that, that smoked Boston butt and lay it right up here on the front. Keep you awake during this message right here. We see in our text, starting back in verse number 24 and following, we see the disturbing invasion. The land had been invaded. The land had been, because of this hole in the fence, there was a vulnerability that created a, 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 an invasion because of this breach, this gap in the hedge, there were things that were going on in the land that God never intended to happen. There were things there that weren't supposed to be there. Things that were supposed to be on the outside had now found their way inside. We see in verse 25, he talks about in, her, in the midst thereof. You see that? First part of verse 25. Look at the latter part of verse 25. It talks about made her many widows in the midst. Look at verse 27. Her princes in the midst. There were things that were going on in the midst that were supposed to be on the outside. God never wanted it to happen on the inside. 
But there had been an invasion and it was disturbing to the prophet Ezekiel and to the Lord. I want to give you four subpoints quickly. We're talking about the disturbing invasion, and it's right here in our text, and it's already alliterated. I love it. Number one, we see in verse number 25, there was the conspiracy of the prophets. Look at it in verse 25. There is a conspiracy of her prophets. Now, that are the, those are the ones that are supposed to stand up and declare what thus saith the Lord. They are the ones that are supposed to get a clear message from God, have a clear line of communication from God. God would tell them what to tell the people. God would tell the prophets what to stand in front of the kings and tell them. And the kings would go to those prophets and get direction for battles and things of that nature. And the Bible tells us in verse 25 that there was a conspiracy over prophets in the midst thereof like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. Now, if I've, got to, if I've got to preach parallel, two messages parallel, it's going to take me twice as long. I know this was talking to the nation of Israel, and I know this was God talking to the prophet Ezekiel, but can I tell you something? This is where we're at right now in this country. There is a conspiracy of the prophets, and we've got men today standing behind pulpits, and I'm telling you what they're doing. They are ravening lions, roaring lions, ravening the prey. They're devouring souls. We got the blind leading the blind. And the people that are supposed to be preaching, the people that are supposed to be teaching, the people that are supposed to be upholding the precepts of the word of God, the people that are supposed to be telling us without fear or favor what best saith the Lord. They have conspired among themselves. Let's keep reading. Look what it says. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. What a statement. What an indictment against the prophets that were supposed to be so willing to stand for what was right, they would be willing to be martyred and be willing to be put to death. And yet they all got together in the back room and said, let's just make it easy on ourselves. Turn this thing into a business. I'm still in the text. They've taken the treasure and the precious things. They figured out a way to make a living without having to do their job. And they're destroying souls as a result of it. And that making of the widows, the Bible talks about they've made her many widows. Basically, what he's saying is because of their actions, they have destroyed families and they've destroyed homes. And instead of putting marriages back together, instead of building strong families and, and, and creating godly leaders, they have destroyed homes and families and they've been shattered because these prophets have conspired to not do what they were supposed to do. Well, if that don't describe 2021, I don't know what does. I know, I know many of you as lay people sitting on the pew, it bothers you and it gets under your skin. But me as a pastor, it really gets under my skin to see somebody graduate from cemetery. Go take a job somewhere, a position somewhere. I'm, I'm debating whether or not to say next what I was fixing to say, but I'm going to say it. Fooey, I don't care. I don't care talking to one of our uh, uh, families last Sunday, and they said, Pastor Shiflett said, you won't believe it, but one of the main requirements in the greater Baltimore area for pastors is that they have to be gay. If they're gay, that is a plus on their resume. The people that, the people that told me that are sitting here, and they're waving at me right now. I'm not making this up. If they're, if they're a sodomite, they get, they get pushed to the front of the list. Yeah. 
to be a pastor. And let me just say this while I'm on it. If this makes you nervous, you really want to put your seatbelt on right here. Because here's what's happened. That Sodomite crowd has hijacked the rainbow that God gave as a promise not to destroy. And they've turned it into a symbol that's an abomination in the sight of God. What's happened? The, pre, the prophets have conspired. There's a conspiracy of the prophets. Look at verse 28. Her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar. I preached a whole message on untempered mortar three or four years ago. You can go, go dig it up and find it. Not a little bit of construction background. For those of you that don't understand what I'm talking about, that's building a brick wall or a concrete wall and using mortar that won't last. It looks good. They took a bunch of, they took a bunch of shortcuts and it looks good for a little while. You drive by on the street, it looks good, but you let a little bit of shaking, you let a little bit of wind, you let a bit of time happen, and I'm telling you, that wall will crumble, and here's what's happening. They're building ministries, they're building edifices unto themselves using untempered mortar, and it looks good. They got a great website, they got a great praise and worship team, and they've got nice buildings, but I'm telling you right now, it won't stand the test of time because they've conspired amongst themselves. Prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. Talking about holes in the fence. How did those jack legs get into the pulpit anyway? There was a hole in the fence. That's what happened. That's what happens. Everybody okay? Western Sunday, cowboy up. The conspiracy of the prophets. Preacher, does it scare you to preach like this? Uh, only for about the first second and a half and then I don't worry about it. The conspiracy of the prophets. John Wayne said courage is being afraid and saddling up anyway. Conspiracy of the prophets. Number two, we see the corruption of the priest in verse 26. Look at it. My, her priests have violated my law and have profaned mine holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane, neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean, and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. We see the corruption of the priest. I understand the priests were the ones whose job it was to sanctify and cleanse everything and everybody. Half of their job description was washing and sanctifying and purging. Their job was to declare, according to Leviticus 13.3, their job was to declare sick people unclean and healed people clean. According to Luke 17, 14, when Jesus healed the lepers, he said, go show yourself to the priests. Is that not what he said? It was the priest was the one that said a person had leprosy. Not the medical doctor. Interestingly enough, if they even thought they had leprosy, their job was to go to the priest and he was supposed to examine them and look at that spot and, and, and he was the one that said, you've got leprosy. You need to social distance and wear a mask. 
Listen, I did my homework. And even lepers, which by the way, leprosy is 100%, 100% deadly, right. fatal, 100% right. of the time. No cure, no cure. 100% of the time, I'm gonna make some of y'all mad right here. Even God said, just cover your upper lip. God said lepers that 100% of the time die. And if they give it to somebody, that person dies 100% of the time. He said, just cover your upper lip. Some of y'all will catch that night at about 2 o'clock in the morning. You'll sit up in the bed and go, oh. But it was the priest's job to declare clean and unclean. I'm going somewhere with this. Hang in here with me. Yet in our text, the Bible says the priest put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. The priest didn't know the difference between clean and unclean. Now what a mess. What a disaster. When the only person in the camp that is supposed to be able to differentiate between the clean and the unclean can't tell the difference. What hope do the people have? There's a hole in the fence. Somehow or another, that priest got in there and wasn't qualified. They couldn't tell the difference between the holy and the profane. That's what we've got today. We got so-called churches. So-called churches. I use that word loosely. So-called churches that are calling things that are profane, holy. And things that are holy, they're calling it profane. Where are we at? Conspiracy of the prophets, the corruption of the priest. Look at verse 27, we see the cruelty of the princes. Look at verse 27, her princes. That's the leaders, that's those in civil authority. That's those making the laws and enforcing the laws. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls and to get dishonest gain. Can I get a big hallelujah amen right there? We are surrounded today in a nation, we are in a living in a country, in a nation right now where our elected officials, our public servants, somebody needs to remind them that they are our servants, not our leaders, our servants. Amen. Crooked as snakes, most of them. As a politician died last week, he was so crooked they had to screw him into the ground when they buried him. In it for that almighty dollar. And if you're still one of those people that still believe elected officials, when they tell you something, I got some oceanfront property in Colorado, I want to sell you right after the service. I'll give you a great discount on it. Cruelty of the princes. Don't get me started. Let's move on. Number four, we see the callousness of the people in verse 29. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. Oh, my goodness. What a sight. What a sight. You see the trickle-down effect? Started with the prophets. Went down to the priest's office. Affected the princes. And now it's the people. Y'all have heard me say this a hundred times. You want to know what the biggest problem with America is? The pulpits in this country. Dropped the ball about 50 years ago. Gave in, gave in to public pressure, gave in to political correctness. One of the greatest curses this country has ever had to deal with is political correctness. 
The only correctness I can recognize is biblical correctness. All other ground is sinking sand. Let God be true and every man a liar. Trickle down, it started with the priest, went all the way down to the people, the common denominator in those four groups. You got the prophets, the priests, the princes, and the people. Here's the three common denominators, treachery, thievery, and tyranny. Is that not where we're at today? We're living in a day of treachery. Stand up in a, behind a microphone. They got credentials. They got more degrees than a thermometer. Look American, their God-given eyeball and tell a lie a mile wide. Treachery, tyranny, and thievery. And for those of you that had more faith in Dr. Fauci last year than you did God, I hope you're appropriately ashamed of yourself. Because my God has never one time lied or covered up anything. Not one time. I've been wanting to say that for a month. Number two, write this down. Write this down. Number two, we see the deficient intervention in verse number 30. The deficient intervention. God searched for a man in the land to do something to stop the infiltration, but found none. What a verse. God searched for a man to plug the hole in the hedge. He looked for a man to stand in the gap, but found none. God walked all over the place and said, y'all fix that fence. And nobody stepped up to fix the fence. Nobody. The land had been invaded by conspiring Inspiring prophets and corrupt priests and cruel princes and criminal people. And there wasn't a single soul caring enough about it to do anything to stop it. Boy, if that doesn't describe the day and age in which we live, the level of apathy is mind-boggling. This week I saw a surveillance video that was released from Los Angeles Police Department, Sheriff's Department. Some of y'all may have seen this, heard about this. About a 300-pound man got out of a pickup truck at a gas station. Walked, out, walked over to another, another car. There was a woman pumping gas at a gas station. Commenced to beat the daylights out of her. He hit her. I'm talking about a man big as this pulpit. He beat that woman at least 12 times. He punched that woman. Then he grabbed her by the hair of her head and slammed her head up against the car several times. And I got her on the ground and was slamming her head on the pavement. But that wasn't the shocking part of the video. The shocking part of the video was right next to them. There was somebody pumping gas. Never stopped pumping gas. There were cars that drove up, stopped, and was watching it and pulled on around. There were men. There were three men that walked up there and stood there and watched that man do that. When he got finished, when he got done, he started walking toward his truck. A man walked beside him, let him get in his truck and let him drive off. Didn't try to stop him, didn't try to grab his keys, didn't write down a tag number. They're putting out a bolt and saying, help us find this guy. And I'm thinking to myself, if I'd have been there that day, you wouldn't have had no trouble finding him. He'd have been laying in the parking lot in a puddle of blood because I'd have turned his face inside out doing that to some woman. Well, preacher, I don't know about that. I'm telling you, that's what I'd have done. 300 pounds. 300 pounds, we might have both gone to the hospital, but there ain't no way under God's blue sky I'm gonna watch a man beat up a woman and stand there and look at it. But we live in a day and age. 
where apathy is a plague and a curse and our people, our daddies, are watching the enemy infiltrate their home and they do nothing. We're watching church members and pastors allowing the devil to infiltrate the churches and they're doing nothing. And we're allowing the devil to infiltrate this nation and most people don't care. They just don't care. In this verse, we see a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal truth that's hidden in this statement. And that is this. It only takes one man to fix the fence. The priests were multitudes. The prophets, multitudes. Princes, multitudes. All of it's plural. Prophets, priests, princes, and people. Multitudes. You know what God said? I just need one man. I need, one by, I need one man to cowboy up and fix that fence right there. Put a stop to this mess. He said, but I found none. What a statement. It don't take a dozen. It don't take a hundred. Just need one. One man could save the nation. One man could deliver the entire country. One man could have thwarted the efforts of all those prophets and priests and princes. But God found none. By the way, he said, I searched. <laughs> Come on now. I searched. Listen, what's about the God that sees everything? The God that knows the end from the beginning. The God that sees and knows all things. He said, I found none. Richard, what are you saying? I'm saying if God can't find it, it ain't there. He found Gideon, didn't he? Didn't he find Gideon? Hiding over there behind the, behind the threshing floor, hiding from the Malachites. Oh, he found, he found him. He found Gideon. He found, he, found, uh, he found Daniel. He found David. His daddy didn't even bring him into the house to be anointed. God knew where he was. If there's one to be found, is what I'm saying, God will find him. But God said, I sought for a man, and I found none. We're talking about the deficient intervention. There's not a day goes by that I don't shake my head and look at my family and say, I don't understand why somebody is not doing something. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about a whole bunch of stuff. Number three, we see in verse number 31, the deserved indignation. You know what God said? Here's your ultimatum. I'm looking for a man. I'm looking for a man. I need somebody to cowboy up and fix that fence right there. Because if you don't, I'm going to destroy you. God didn't say that the priests were going to destroy or the prophets were going to destroy, or that the princes were going to destroy. You know what God said? God says, if you don't fix that fence, I'm going to destroy you. And that wasn't motivation enough to get somebody to say, here am I. Send me. God said, okay. All right. You're so complacent. You're so apathetic. Therefore, verse 31, have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I 
have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their head. There is a way. Seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The deserved indignation. God didn't say we had to see hard times. He didn't say we had struggle. He said, I'm going to destroy you. I'm not trying to be negative this morning. I'm not, I'm not an Eeyore. You know Eeyore always had that big old dark cloud hanging over his head. And Tigger's bouncing off the wall. And Eeyore's always grumbling and complaining. I'm not like that. Now, I'm not Tigger either. <laughs> I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm a realist. I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. But I'm going to tell you something this morning, church. We're on the cusp of God utterly destroying this nation. We are witnessing the dismantling of our republic. We're witnessing it. We are seeing it happen. If the Lord tarries is coming, our children and our grandchildren will read about what's happening in our world today that's happening on our watch. God said, therefore, have I poured out my indignation. He talked about it again in verse 24, the day of indignation. By the way, you think the indignation of the prophets are bad. You think the indignation of the priests, you think the indignation of those corrupt, crooked princes are bad. Can I say it? You ain't seen nothing till you've seen God when he's headed up to here. And we're there yes, sir. on the edge. By the way, his wrath, his fire of his wrath will not be sprinkled. It will not be splashed. He said in verse 31, I'm going to pour it out. Yeah. That word literally means to be gush or to spill. It's going to be overwhelming. And we're going to have to sit there and watch it, realizing we, I say we, allowed this to happen. So preacher, that's a really negative message. You've given me indigestion. I don't even think I could eat. <laughs> Let me put a positive spin on this if I can. Can I? Let's just back this train all the way up to the very beginning. Come on now. Why don't you start, start by fixing the fences in your own personal life. Amen. Let's start with that. Amen. Some of you have pulled the fences down in your own life. You're doing things right now that you know flat out God said don't go past that and you're doing it anyway. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Fix the fences in your own life, in your own heart, in your own mind. Put up some boundaries, put up some guidelines, help you stay in the will of God. Right. And then let's broaden this thing a little bit. Mamas and daddies, you need to fix the fences in your home. The wolves have already come in. I don't have time to read all these verses again. The wolves have already come in and are ravening our children, our young people. And daddy's still on his console playing his Xbox. And mama's still on her Facebook page. Mama's still playing Candy Crush while the devil's coming in and crushing the children. Because there's fences that need to be mended and fixed in the homes. Yeah, it gets quiet. We've got some fences that need to be fixed in the church. How many of you love Calvary Baptist Church? Raise your hand. How many of you don't want to see the devil get in here? 
Well, guess what? If there's a hole in the fence next to you, fix it. Amen. Don't just sit there and look at it Amen. and wait for somebody else. It's a group effort. Right. Amen. Yeah, right. Amen. Yeah. Fix the fence. God's looking around saying, I need somebody to stand in that hole right there. There's a hole in the wall. I need that wall plugged up. I need somebody to stand there and be that wall. Amen. Be that hedge of protection. And then fourthly, somebody needs to stand up, fix the fences in this country. Amen. 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 It's not going to be a politician either. Well, I'll just wait till midterm. No, no, no. No, that's mine and your job. And I know, I know exactly what you're thinking. You're thinking the same thing that those people on that surveillance video was thinking. I don't know what to do. Guy's 300 pounds. What am I supposed to do? Do something. Right. Yeah. Don't just sit there and look at it. Write letters. Make noise. Shine light in the darkness. Poke holes in the darkness. Come on now. Yeah. It starts, starts with having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Can we say that? It starts with having a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where you start. Get saved if you're not saved. Get born again. Amen. Let Jesus Christ come in and change your life. Start there. You need to get off the devil's ranch and get on, on God's ranch. Right. Come through the door. He said, I'm the door. Come in. Get saved. Yep. Yes, sir. And join God's people. Fixing the fences. It's what I do all day, every day, fix fences. It's what all of us ought to be doing. Right. Did that make any sense? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Father, we thank you this morning for speaking to hearts. We thank you this morning, Lord, for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, this morning for the admonition and the challenge from the scriptures, Lord, to side with you. Side with you. Lord, be roused out of our state of apathy and complacency. Father, I pray that you'd help us start by taking care of business in our own personal life.